We're going to be over in the book of Mark, chapter 11, of course, to start. There was a man who entered a restaurant and sat in one of the stools at the counter, and the waiter brought a glass of water to the man. The customer took the glass of water and threw it promptly into the waiter's face. He apologized and said, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a condition I have, and I can't seem to control it. Um, but uh, he you know, took a napkin and helped dry him off and clean him up and all that sort of stuff, and the waiter just said, well, I accept your apology, but I'm going to remember you. And if you come in here again, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to give you any water. So uh, a couple months later, the man came into the same restaurant again, sat at the stool, and uh, ordered some water. And the man looked at him. The same waiter was there. And the man looked at him and says, uh, no, no, I remember you from before. I'm not going to give you any water. And he says, no, I've been seeing a therapist for a number of months now. That's why I haven't been in here. And... Um, and uh, it's the, the problem is no longer there. And uh, I'm good now. So it took a little while convincing him, but finally he convinced the waiter that he was okay. And so he, he went ahead and he served him a glass of water. And as soon as he did, he picked up the water and threw it into the waiter's face. And he said, I thought you said you were cured of that. He says, oh, I am, I am. He says, I still do it, but I don't feel guilty about it anymore. <laughs> oh, how much we go by feelings, huh? <laughs> we started last week talking about about flesh faith. Flesh faith. And flesh faith goes a lot by feelings. It goes a lot by natural things. Flesh faith has natural tendencies. It's based on what I see, what I hear, and what I feel. Things from the natural realm. We've been on this series learning how to become doubters that are victorious. Because too often we think that doubting is bad and believing is the only thing that is good. And so we resist with everything in us to stop doubting, but we find that we still doubt some things. And we're having trouble with that. But all we need to simply do is to believe the things of God and doubt the things of the Word. That if you are going to believe anything, you must doubt something else. It is impossible to have any belief without also having a corresponding doubt. It's impossible. Because every single belief will produce a doubt on the other end. Every single one. If we believe in heaven, then we doubt that we just are reincarnated. Isn't that something that we doubt? So we just got to learn to doubt the right stuff. If we doubt the right things and believe the right things, we'll find ourselves in the place of faith. We began looking also a couple weeks ago at people who uh, were doing basically flesh faith things. But they began to speak to their situations and their situations didn't change. And as we were looking at Mark chapter 11 and seeing how powerful it is that we can say that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea. And if we do not doubt in our heart but believe that those things that we say will come to pass, we shall have the things that we say. But we saw a couple of examples of people who said some things, but it didn't happen. Israel, when they realized that they missed God and decided we're going to go into the promised land. And they said, we're going to go up and we're going to conquer the land. But they didn't go up and they didn't conquer the land. That didn't quite work. Peter was told by Jesus, all the disciples were told, you're going to deny me. And Peter spoke up and said, nope, not me. Maybe everybody else will, but no, not me. Uh-uh. And Peter gave him a specific word. He says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. No, no, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to die. Well, he said a lot of things and he had belief in those things, didn't he? We don't sense any doubt with Peter, but it didn't work because he went right out from there and sure enough, he, he gave in. So we see that there are some people who said some things but didn't have success. So we looked at some common components of these things and we reviewed them again last week. I want to review again because I want you to get these down. The common components of these two stories we looked at and also common uh, components of flesh faith are first off a hard heart. Resistance to the truth of the word. Denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. Doubting of God's power and promises. Hard hearts, resistance to the truth of the word. Denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. And doubting of God's power and promises. We saw this with Peter. How did he respond when Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times? Was there resistance? Was there denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in himself? When Jesus came over and said, why can't you pray with me for an hour? 
pray lest you enter into temptation. And they fell back to sleep. And they're doubting of God's power and God's promises. Well, Peter, if he didn't doubt God's power and promises, why in the world would he deny God? For fear of the power of the people who came against him. We also said truth is not always positive, but it is better to know and to act. The faith of God is spirit. It's not flesh. It is spirit. Well, we want to pick up on, on some of that more and understand this part of flesh faith as far as the hearing and seeing. We, we uh, put a title on this one. Seeing or believing. Because sometimes we've been heard it said, seeing is believing. How many have heard that one? Seeing is believing. You go over to Missouri, you look at the license plates they have on there, the show me state. <laughs> they believe that over Missouri, those folks, that you've got to show them stuff. But here we're going to look at seeing or believing. Because if you're seeing, then you're not believing as far as God is, is concerned. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, this is real easy to figure this out. If you, I want everybody to hold your hand up in front of you. Can you see it? That means what? It's temporary. Now, now look at your spirit. Can't do it, can you? How come? Because your spirit is eternal. Your spirit is eternal. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Eternal. But how often are we moved by the things that we're seeing? If we see a bad report from the doctor, we get upset, we get nervous. And yet the Bible says that the things that are seen are temporary. temporary. Glory to God, if you see it, what's it mean? It's temporary. How many of you have a bill that's not paid yet? Can you see it? Which means it is? Temporary. <laughs> it's temporary. Why are you getting so upset over something that's temporary? If the doctor gives you a report and it's seen, guess what? Temporary. temporary. <laughs> you can even just tell the doctor, oh, that won't be so for long. That's temporary. <laughs> what do you mean that's temporary? That's not temporary. Oh, it's temporary. Yep, I can, I can, I can see that. How many of you have blood, high blood pressure? If you go in the doctor's office, can you see the high blood pressure when they take it? Can you see? Can you? See? Well, it's it's uh, I don't know I don't know what a high blood pressure is. Hundred over something? Would that be high blood pressure? But one eighty? Hundred over one eighty? Or one eighty over hundred would be high blood pressure? That's high high blood pressure. So so is that seen? How did the doctor figure that out? He saw it on the on the on the stuff, right? So what's that mean? Temporary. 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 Can't last. <laughs> it's temporary. Oh, come on, folks. We gotta get excited about about the things that we see instead of upset. Oh, this is temporary. Oh, I can't wait till this goes away. This is temporary. Temporary. Things that are flesh, folks, are temporary. Not only is this the things that are seen but also the things that we feel. How many of y'all know the things you feel are temporary? I mean, what you feel today, do you feel tomorrow? Not always. You may. How many of you feel happy today? That may change tomorrow. You may not feel happy. Some of you might feel sad today. That may change tomorrow. You may not feel sad tomorrow. It's temporary. Feelings are not always the same. I, I feel this way. I feel that way. It, it changes. It's temporary. <laughs> but we get so upset over the stuff that's temporary. Don't. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. If you have a bad report from a doctor, if you have a condition that just keeps sticking with you, an unpaid bill, mountain of debt, 
something going on with the car, whatever it might be. It's temporary. Look at it as such. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You cannot have the faith of God for anything that you see. You cannot have it. And if you are waiting for something to be seen, what kind of faith is it? It's flesh faith, folks. It's not the faith of God. When Jesus taught us in Mark chapter 11, He first off started off by saying, Have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. God's faith is based on things that He speaks. That He speaks. When He was back in the uh, book of Genesis, and when He was recreating the earth, and He said, Let there be light. Of course, that wasn't creating light. He was just putting the operation of light back into place. At the time, there was darkness on the face of the earth. But he said, let there be light. And the Word of God says, and then there was But he said it first. Because that's how God works. Speak to the thing first. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is looking for people who will believe in the unseen. That's what he wants. He wants people who will believe in the unseen. Well, how can I believe in the unseen? If I don't see it, how can I know it? Because we, we know it from the Word of God, from the promises of God, from the things that God speaks, from the things that God has taught us. Say this, speak this, do this. And when I do that, I have faith to believe that that which is not seen will be seen because the things that are seen are temporary temporary so jesus answered and said to them mark eleven twenty two. have faith in god for assuredly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says now we spend quite a bit of time over these weeks going over this because we've got to get this down we're not speaking to enough mountains and sometimes we're falling into the category where Peter and the Israelites were, where we're speaking to things, we're not seeing the thing happen. This is very powerful stuff that Jesus taught. This is things that He taught towards the end of His life, here on earth, before He went to the cross. Let's take a look at the demonstration, though, of this. We see the doctrine that is taught. But it's so important for us to see it in operation. Now, we already looked at this story, the first one, the disciples with the fishnets. Luke chapter 5, the disciples said, Peter says to Jesus, Well, we fished all night, we've caught nothing. But at your word, we will let down the net. At your word, we will let down the net. Oh, that's faith in the unseen, isn't it? Now, we understand we've delved into that story before and we, we looked at it and found out that he didn't have a whole lot of faith because he just let down the net, not the nets. But anyway, he still did do it and he still did it based upon the Word of God. What was? What is the Word of God? The unseen. He had faith in the unseen to believe. All right, it's your word. We'll let down the net. It's your word. We'll do that. Well, uh, here's a, another story. John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Does Jesus like the folks who have to see it? I don't think Jesus was from Missouri. It's just a thought. <laughs> Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Well, if they believe after they see the signs and wonders, what kind of belief is it? It's flesh faith. It's based on what is seen. So if the faith is based on what is seen and what is seen is temporary, what, is it, what does that say about the faith? It's temporary faith. As soon as what is seen is gone, you stop believing. This is why people lose their healing. Because they based it on what they felt. Well, I felt something go into me when I got prayed for. I was like electricity. Oh, I was 
It's powerful. And I got home and I don't feel that thing anymore. And they're all excited. But then a week goes by and you see them and they're all down and what's, what's wrong? Well, I thought I was healed, but I wasn't. How do you know? Well, I began to feel that thing come back on me. Temporary faith. That's why we're not getting some of the stuff we want. We got temporary stuff. It's based on what is seen, what we feel. It's not what it's supposed to be. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. That's a powerful verse right there. We've covered this story in, in times past. I'm not sure when the last time was we, we did this. I didn't look it up. But this nobleman came about a day's journey to get Jesus to come. And his faith is based on the fact that Jesus would come with him. And if Jesus came with him, then this miracle would happen. And there would be life. Please come before my child dies. And so Jesus, first off, he's not real nice. He doesn't answer everybody this way, but this guy, he does. He comes to him and says, uh, could you come on down? Please, let's go back to what he said. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and the Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Other people had done this before, and Jesus didn't answer them this way. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. I bet that took this man off guard. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, okay, let's go. Lead the way. But even at this, well, we'll get past this. I, I need you to come. I need you. If you come on down, I know my child will, will survive. They'll, they'll, they'll get through this. They'll live. So Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Go your way, your son lives. I want you to try and, and, and get yourself into the, into the feeling of this. How many of you have ever seen a movie? You were real excited about the movie. You heard other people talk about the movie. And you got out there and you sat through the movie, hour and a half, sat through the movie, watching the movie, and got to the end and were disappointed. Oh, that's the ending? That's the best they could come up with? Are you serious? I mean, it's just a letdown, isn't it? And you come out of there, you feel like you got ripped off. Took $10 of your money. And you got really nothing. Well, this is kind of like the feeling this guy has here. I came all the way down here. I was expecting Jesus to come back with me. I'm going on back with Jesus. We're bringing him back. And go your way. Your son lives. Six words. I mean, really, how much power can there be in six words? Jesus is not a, per, a man of many words. Going back and you look at all the words of Jesus and he was to the point. Lazarus. Come forth. Little girl, arise. <laughs> it's, it's all short stuff. Not much, not much there. He doubled the words on this one. He's got six instead of three. But the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And we, when we talked about this before, we said he's got a day's journey to get back. And your mind can be doing all kinds of thinking of things because you feel all sorts of stuff. And these kind of thoughts come to you. What if, what if it didn't work? And you get on back, you know you don't have time to get all the way back home, find out it didn't work and go back and get Jesus. And you know that's not going to work. All these things are going through. But he, he, he stayed. He kept on going. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. What evidence does this man have? He's got his, that's all. He's got his word. There are no x-rays. There are no cell phones. Call home. How's it going? Jesus just said he's going to live. How's he doing? Should I come home? We don't have that. Can't send a text message. Not even a telegraph. Nothing. The only way he can find out is to go home. That's a tough thing to do. But that's what he did. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Now the belief that Jesus was talking about, unless you all see a sign, you won't believe. That belief was flesh faith. 
But this man did not leave on flesh faith because he left on faith that was based on what Jesus said. And that was it. What Jesus said. Well, if Jesus would say something to me like that, I'd believe it. Well, he did. In the Bible. And I don't like that one. I want something more. In other words, you want more of a sign or a wonder. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday. So don't think this guy was only traveling for a couple hours. It was yesterday when he left Jesus. Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. But he didn't know it up until then, did he? But he left on faith. He left believing. And he himself believed in his whole household. Well, he's not, they're not talking about believing that the boy was healed. He left believing that. They believed in Jesus. The whole household believed in Jesus. Hey, but Second Kings chapter 4, verse 38. And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So... One went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot stew, though they did not know what they were. Well, they're hungry. There's a famine in the land. You don't ask questions. <laughs> then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot. Now, I don't know how they figured it out. Maybe somebody recognized one of the, the things that was in there and said, Oh, did did they look like this when you? Yeah. And did they, when you cut them open with? Yeah. Oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> Those things are poisonous. Those things will kill you. And they called to the man of God, Elisha. There is death in the pot and they could not eat it. So he said, bring some flour. I need some flour here. Can you give, some, give me some flour? And he put it into the pot. And he said, serve it to the people that they may eat. Now, how many of you want to be one of these people? <laughs> All right, here comes the man of God. Pot, we, we know there's death in the pot. If you eat the stuff in the pot, you're going to die. Hold on, give me a little bit of flour. All right, that'll fix it. Come on, let's eat. <laughs> what do we, what do we kind of want to do here? Like get at the end of the line? Oh, please, go on. You're, you're hungrier than I am. Come on, you just go right on ahead. Right? I don't want to be the first one up there in the, in the line for the... We're not just talking about, you know, it don't taste good. We're talking you'll die. <laughs> What's their faith based on? The word of the prophet. It's okay now. It's all good. Get out there and enjoy the stew. <laughs> How many people were probably there and said, well, there's a famine in the land. There's no other food. We're going to die anyway. May as well just, let's give it a shot. Come on. <laughs> let's go ahead. I don't know. But uh, anybody here want to taste it first? I mean, maybe we should just, maybe somebody ought to just taste it first and then we should just watch. I mean, wouldn't this be prudent? We should, we should be wise in the affairs of, of this world. We should be wise. And, and that would be wisdom to, to do that. And then just one person would have a problem and not the whole group. <laughs> no, that's not what they did, is it? Was their faith based on what they saw? In Second Kings chapter 6. Oh, I didn't copy them over into here. Pull them up on the, on the screen. Second Kings 6 verse 20. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men and they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and they were inside Samaria. This is the, the, uh, the army that came against, came against uh, to, to get, I'm sorry, to get uh, Elisha. And so when they came on out, we'll just give you the background of the story here. They, they, they'd come against and, and they were all surrounding the city. And Elisha Saw that and he got all upset and worried and scared. Look at all the people that are against us. No, we read the story. We find out Elisha's fine. There's no problem with Elisha. Elisha's good. This is all right. But his helper was having trouble. 
helper was, was struggling with this a little bit. So um, he said, well, you need to... Father God, open up his eyes. Let him see. So the father opened up his eyes and he looked and he saw all the angels surrounding the city. He said, you don't worry about it. And so then Elisha prayed, Father, make all these men blind. And then he waited to see if they were blind. Did he? No. He just said, Father, make the eyes of these men blind. And then he went on down. Hey, what you looking for? Uh, we're looking for Elisha. King of Syria sent us here because, you know, he, uh, we're mad at him. He's given away all of our plans. And so we came on down here to get him. Oh, I'll take you to the man that you seek. Follow me. And so they follow him and they, he leads them right into the city of Samaria, right into the heart of the city. And then this verse comes in and says, all right, now, now open up their eyes. Then their eyes are opened up. Says, How did we get here? How many we were just following the guy? We were walking. We weren't going into a city. We weren't soldiers. Now, look at it. But what did Elisha have to base it on? Nothing. He just said, Lord, make it so they can't see. And he walked out. Hey, how you doing? Who are you looking for? What's he basing his faith on? He didn't send a servant down there. Go, you go on down first and just see if they can recognize him. He didn't do that. He just went on down. Pick up in verse 28. Here we had that uh, the, the king of Israel is mad with Elisha because all this trouble has come on and, and the, uh, the folks that just let go in the, in the passage we just looked at, they let all them go. They fed them and let them go. They decided to come on back and lay siege to the city. That's the thanks they got for letting them go. So they're laying siege and and there, at this point, there wasn't a whole lot of food in there. So, the, you know, donkey's head was selling out a whole lot of money. And uh, they're, look, you're, they're eating dung of certain animals. And I mean, this isn't good. And what really broke the guy was that finally uh, uh, two, two women came up to him and said, Look, uh, we agreed. And yesterday we cooked and ate my son. And today we were supposed to cook and eat her son. But now she won't give him up. So would you command her that she give up her son that we cook and eat him? And this got the king upset. And he said, May God do to me more also if Elisha's head is still on his shoulders by tomorrow. And so he sent a servant out. And the servant is sent on out to, to, uh, to Elisha and to get him. And so Elisha's over there in the city and he says, uh, So-and-so's coming on up here and, and uh, they, you know, they want me dead and all. They, they want some stuff done, but uh, we're going we're gonna to put a stop to this, this sort of thing. So the guy came on up, and so Elisha said, this time tomorrow, a barrel of flour and measure of wheat and all that sort of stuff, it's going to sell for just an astronomically low price. And the servant who came up to him said, is it possible? Even if the windows of heaven were opened, even if the windows of heaven were opened, this surely would not happen. What's he looking for? He's looking for a sign. I want to see. There's nothing I can base this on. Nothing I can base this on. It's kind of like if somebody came up to you and said, the barrel of oil by this time tomorrow will be $5. $5 oil. And people would come up and say, no. I mean, how could that happen? There's no way you're going to go from $105 a barrel oil, oil to $5 oil? No! No, that's not going to... Where do we look? We're looking for something. Something's got to happen. So we've got to be drilling somewhere. There's got to be a big fine. The, somehow the supply's got to change. We're looking for something to happen there in order for us to base it. It's flesh faith. I need something to base it on. I need something to be seen. And that's what this guy was. Nah, that can't happen. You can't have that kind of prosperity. You can't have all that kind of stuff going on. No, 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 it's not going to happen. Oh, he was convinced of it. And so Elisha said this to him. He says, all right, because of that, you'll see it, but you won't eat of it. You'll see it, but you won't eat of it. It's not going to, nope, not going to happen to you. Now, what did this man do? I bet you there were other people in the audience of hearing that and they're saying, he just lost his mind. I mean, I know this is the man of God and all. Elisha's done a lot of good things. He just lost his mind. There's no way. But they're not saying it. 
Remember we talked about what's the difference between head doubt and heart doubt? Head doubt, you're thinking about it, but heart doubt, you believe it and start speaking it. And this man started speaking it. He started out of his mouth. We've all done that sort of thing. We've had head doubt become heart doubt. The Word of God said in Mark chapter 11, if you do not doubt in your head, if you do not doubt in your soul, if you do not doubt in your feet, where? In your heart. In other words, you don't speak it out of your mouth. Now we spend time on that and showing you how that, how that was so. But Jesus in Mark chapter 11 wants you to out of your mouth speak out of faith, not out of doubt. But this man put his doubts into words. Oh, that's not going to happen. And we went through, we spent some time before looking at the folks who put their doubts into words. Go back and get it. Go over it if you need to. But you put words to your doubt, now you got trouble. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I don't think I can get healed of this. Well, these are never going to go away from me. Well, I guess I'll always have that. What are we doing? I'm vocalizing my doubts. I don't think I'll be able to get that done. I think this one's going to get me. Surely this one's taking me down. Oh, I can't overcome this. Don't, don't be speaking it. I looked at, when Jesus was with uh, Jairus, he was trying to get him to stop speaking. Before Jairus could even utter a response to the person who came and said, your daughter's dead, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Jesus interrupted. He said, no, no, no. Hold on. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. You hang on. All things are possible. You just hang on. Don't you worry about it. Don't give voice to your doubts. This guy saw no way for this to happen. He gave voice to his doubts. And uh, it didn't, didn't go about. There's a whole lot of other people that were there who doubted because you cannot have a group of unsaved people like that who are just going to, oh, glory to God. You had some people doubt it. They, just, they didn't put words to it. This guy put words to it and suffered for it. Now, if you go on, you can, I put the whole passage there for you. You can go back there and you can read the whole thing. You'll find out that the, there's a, a couple of lepers outside the city because they're not allowed inside the city. And they said, you know what? If we go in the city, we die because they're all starving. If we stay out here, we're probably going to die because the Syrians are going to kill us. So if we're going to die anyway, why don't we just go down to the Syrians and surrender. Maybe they'll feed us. And then we don't die. Well, they couldn't argue with the logic. Alright, let's go. So they head on down to the Syrian camp and they get on down there and there's no Syrians. They're all gone. But all their stuff left behind. So they go into the one tent and you know, there's lots of Syrians but they just went into one tent and in the one tent they were eating all they could eat. I mean, it's like a smorgasbord. All they could eat, just eating stuff and they're finding gold and putting it in their pockets and loading up. Oh, oh, look at that ring. Oh, that is a nice ring. Oh, I don't know where they got that from, but mm, it's mine now. And they're taking all this stuff and, and loading up and, and then after a while, they thought, you know what? It's not right that we're sitting here eating all this stuff and enjoying all this and the people back there in the city are starving. I know they haven't been real nice to us and all that, but we really shouldn't do this. We, we ought to go back and tell them. So they went on back and they told them. And when the word got there, then the, a stampede went out. It's kind of like what would happen if Walmart opened up and said, everything is free. <laughs> stampede. Everybody's coming on in and clean up the Walmarts. But they, they uh, stampede right out of the city. And the guy who was the messenger was at the gate of the city and he got trampled and died. He heard about it. Heard about all the stuff that was available, but he got trampled and died and didn't, uh, didn't get to take advantage of it. He was the guy who gave voice to his doubts. Don't give voice to your doubts. Just because you can't see how flour is going to sell for so little doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. We spent some time on Wednesday nights in the book of Esther looking at what a difference a day makes. What a difference a day can make. In John chapter 2, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they came, or when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to her servants, Whatever 
he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Now this is a step of faith for Jesus certainly, but is it not also for the people who are taking it? Because they are the ones who put water into the barrels. They did. No one else did it. They put it there. And then Jesus says, now you just put the water in there. Now take some of it out and take it over to the master ceremonies and present it as wine is basically what he's saying. They got to be thinking, if it's just water, he's going to get real mad at us and we probably won't work for him again. But they did it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. What he's basically saying is you serve the good stuff when people have their senses about them and then when they're drunk, too drunk to know the difference, then you give them the cheap wine. But you did it the other way around. You're serving the good wine now. How many of you would like to have been one of the servers there? You see, if you're a flesh-faith person, you say, well, maybe I can just kind of pour it out a little bit so I can see whether it's red or not. Or whether it changed color. I mean, if it's still water, I don't really want to take it up there to them. But they didn't do that. But it's our tendency. We're going to, well, I need to see something. Maybe I can... It smells like water. And we don't know when the water turned into wine. We don't know if it turned to wine after they took and presented it. It may have been water all the way up until that point. We don't know. He doesn't tell us when it turned. And apparently the guys weren't checking it out. Because if they would have checked it out, they would have said, and they checked it out and it was wine, so then they took it over to the guy. They didn't do that. They have it Acts chapter 28. Now when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta and the natives showed us unusual kindness because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Unusual kindness. That's nice. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now, how many of you all like a fire on a rainy day? You know, wait, I kind of have to judge those kind of things. You know, I'm one of the ones in charge of the fire at the house. Make sure the fire's going. Make sure there's dry wood and and all that, you got to be thinking ahead. I always got to be looking at the weather. There's going to be rain coming up tomorrow. I got to bring in wood today. Make sure it's in all in a dry spot because you can't light wet firewood. It just, it won't light. But I'm always monitoring the temperature. You know, if the temperature is down in the 20 or 30 degrees, it's fire day. If the temperature is going down to 20 or 17 or 15 at nighttime, it's time for a fire. It's fire time. If the temperature is going up to 50, 55 degrees, we may not want a fire. In the house. Because you know the fire is hot. You don't just turn the thermostat down on the fire. The fire is burning. That's just what the fire does. And until the fire runs out of stuff, it's going to keep on going. So you got to make decisions hours ahead of time. And so if the, tomorrow, if it's going to be 42 degrees and rainy, well, I know it's a fire day. Because my wife gets cold on rainy days that are 42 degrees. And she'll want a fire. So I'll start a fire. Keep that fire going or have wood around. Have something going on. Fire feels nice when it's wet outside. It's, it's just something about that wetness. It's, if it's 42 and wet, it feels like it's 25 sometimes. It's just cold. So we always build up the fire and we get it going. And, and then whenever anybody's cold, they can just come into the room where the fireplace is and get all warmed up and... And they get all, all fixed up and everything is, is good. So here, you can understand this. It's a rainy day and you're outside. You know how bad it is on a rainy day when you're inside. But you got outside and it's rainy and it's kind of cutting through on you. And it's, it's not good. It's not good. How many have ever been outside in the rain? Well, one time we were out there. I was uh, um, in the scouts. I wasn't in the scouts for real long, but was in the scouts for a while and and somehow I got into this thing where I was going out to, it was a leadership uh, camp. And we were all heading out to there. Somehow I was a leader in the thing. I wasn't in there that long. I think there was no one else. <laughs> I think that was the main reason there was no one else. So I got sent 
going out to this leadership this, this thing. We were over there for a weekend. And um, it, it's, it started out really nice. It was a nice day. And then the temperature began to drop at nighttime. And uh, it didn't quite get freezing, but it got real close. And then the rain came in. And it rained all night long. And we knew the rain was coming. And so we gathered firewood and we put firewood underneath the picnic tables or whatever tables we had. And we covered it however we could to keep the firewood dry. And it rained like we had never seen rain. It just rained and rained and rained. And eventually it got through the tents. Now all your clothes are wet. And you have, you can't, you don't, you're a Cub Scout. You're a Cub Scout. You're, you know, Scouts. You're out, you're not in the tent. This was leadership training weekend. We were not allowed to be in the tent. We had to go outside of the tent. And so go outside the tent in the rain. It's really rainy. And we got soaked. And so it's, it's wet. And it's raining. How hard do you think it is to keep a fire going in the rain? And keep firewood dry to keep the fire on the fire. It was tough. But not only did it get to be that bad, but the, the mud became an issue. Because the mud became to just slide down this place where we were at. And we were just traipsing around the mud. And so the, what we were trying to keep dry, now mud was coming underneath the table and underneath the, and was getting everything wet. And pretty soon the fire was done. There was no more dry wood. There was no more fire. There was no place to warm up. It was cold. The inside the tent was wet. Outside the tent was wet. It was just a nasty day. And it still was raining. So it was Friday night we started. Saturday night was still going on. And then Saturday night the temperature dropped some more. So that the rain became snow. So now we're in the, in the snow. We're all soaked. And it just was nasty. I remember how nasty it was. Everything was wet. Your shoes are wet. Your pants are wet. You, there's no real place to change. I mean, it's scouts. You're out in camping. There was no showers or places like that. It's, this is where you were. And so we got on through, and, and uh, finally it came to the time, Sunday we were heading on home. Glory to God. <laughs> we all felt so glad about going on home. And just as we were getting ready to go, the sun came out. The snow stopped. And uh, it looked like it was going to be shaping up to be at least a decent day, but we couldn't not wait to get out of there. Oh, we couldn't wait to get out of there. We were ready to go. And um, and so the, the guy said, he said, this uh, for all his time leading, he said this was one of the worst weekends he had ever been through. It was just terrible. And so I understand when Paul's talking about, you know, you're out there, you got shipwrecked, you're out there on this island, things aren't going so well, and um, you're wet, it's rainy, fire feels real nice. And so these guys got some, got the fire going on. And well, Paul wants to help out. So he goes on out there and he gathers up some wood to help with the fire. And he starts feeding it. If you get a fire going hot enough, you can feed it wet wood and it'll dry that wood out and then burn it. It'll be all right. So he's got, they're all getting wood and they keep putting wood on and, and putting some more stuff. And as he's doing it, there was a viper. Verse 3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, viper is a snake. How does a snake fasten to your hand? It's got fat. That's it. It has no hands. It has no feet. It's got one thing it can use to fasten itself upon you, and that is its fangs. How many of you all here when we brought a snake into church? I know Bert was because I made her hold it. She just didn't know it. Yeah, we brought a little garter snake. By a while back, we had a pet store over here. And I walked in the, the one Sunday morning. And I said, do you mind if I borrow one of your garter snakes? <laughs> oh, no, go right on ahead. And so the, we borrowed the garter snake. We put it into a box. And we were passing the box around to all the women that I knew would despise that I'd just given them a box with a snake in it. But they didn't know there was a snake in it. I just had them hold the box. And, and uh, you know, we were teaching on fear at that point. And so... <laughs> It was a great object. Bert's over there holding the box, weren't you, Bert? Bert, she's holding the box. There's no big deal. She had no idea what's inside the box. But inside the box was the garter snake. And so uh, this was, we had, this is one of those Sundays we had the children in. They were all over here. And, and so uh, they were kind of excited about that. And so we passed them around. So after a while, after one around a number of different people, we pulled the, the uh, snake out of the box and we showed everybody. And of course, the people that held it, oh, Ah, oh, it's holding that. Oh, and you can see all this because, you know, fear is based on knowledge. And so we're using it as an object lesson to show that fear is based on knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge that something is in the box, you're not afraid of it. 
<laughs> so we were using that. And uh, so afterwards, you know, we, we brought the kids up and we, I, I pulled the snake out of the, the thing and we had a big trash can and we did it over the trash can. So if I let them go, because I'm not a snake handler, we're a good one anyway. If I let it go, then it would get, stay inside the, the, uh, the, the big trash can and then it wouldn't go anywhere and we could take it on back to the pet shop and take care of them that way. And so all the kids got to come up and touch the snake and stuff like that. But my son didn't get to touch it. All the other kids did. He kind of stood in the back and time ran out and he didn't get to touch it. So afterwards he said, can I, can I touch it? Well, yeah, 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 gosh, yeah. yeah, I don't have to take it back. Yeah, I'll, uh, come on over here. And so we did the same thing. I got the box. I got it over the trash can and I pulled him out. But the snake was just going bonkers at this point. And uh, uh, he, uh, I dropped him. And, but he went into the trash can. So it was all good. He's in the trash can. And so I went on down there to get him. And he fastened himself upon me. <laughs> So I know what they're talking about when they fasten themselves upon him because he was fastened. And so I, I had him out and, you know, he's he's fastened. He's he's not going anywhere. It's not like I'm, I want to taste. He fastened himself upon me. So his fangs are in me and I'm just holding them. And well, what are you going to do? So I let Christian touch it then. <laughs> And then walked on over to the pet store, and I, I, he's still fastened on me. And so I walked on over to the pet store, and I said, uh, I don't want to hurt the snake, because, you know, he's, he's just a little garter snake. He's only about that big. And I, I didn't want to hurt him, because we borrowed him. And she wants to eventually sell him to somebody. So I walked on over, and I said, uh, you know, what do we do? How do we, what's the best way to get him to be unfastened? <laughs> oh, he said, oh, she said, all we got to do is give him something he wants more than you. That was the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Give him something that was more than you. And so he walked on over and we got near his cage and she put some food in the cage and he saw the food and he let go of me and went after the food. <laughs> she was right. It just uh, it worked out fine. I mean, it's a little garter snake and a little tiny fang. It's not, it wasn't even painful. It just was fastened. Now, what Paul is facing here is not a garter snake. It's a viper. And they're poisonous. And so the, the people, the natives around there, they know about these snakes. They've run into the snakes before. And so they expect, all right, in a few minutes, he'll keel over. It won't take long. It'll it just be a little while. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand. See, I have a picture of this. I know exactly what this looks like. They said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire. He wasn't concerned about someone selling the thing. <laughs> he just shook it off into the fire. You know, a snake and fire probably didn't work out too well for the snake, but he shook the creature off in the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to them, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now, here's the thing about Paul. Paul's over there, you, you got the sticks, snake comes out and gets hold of him, and what he does is shakes it off into the fire, and then he goes about what he was doing. Getting more more sticks or, or warming himself up or whatever. He's just going about stuff normally. He wasn't doing anything odd. He's just going about stuff. How many of you would do that? How many of you at this point are down on your knees, Father God, please let me live. Oh, take care of that venom. Let that venom be gone from my body. Paul does not do any of that. He just shakes it off and goes on. What's he basing his faith on? What he sees? No, what he saw was a snake hang on to him and put stuff in him. Nasty stuff. Poisonous stuff. And he didn't fret about it at all. Because the Word of God had told him, Jesus had made a mention of it. The snake comes after you, it's no big deal. If you eat anything deadly, you'll be fine. It's okay. So he realized that Jesus said that. And he says, well, I don't have to do anything about it. Jesus said I'd be okay. He didn't say walk, walk around and have a confession. He didn't say walk around and beg God, plead with God. Nothing like that. He just said go. So he just went on. And then they went from playing, saying to this man's a murderer. To, He's a God. They're fickle, aren't they? You know why? Because they base on what they see. What, these, what you see is 
temporary. Temporary. It's only temporary. So these are some, some examples. You can go through the Word of God and you can find a whole lot more than this of people who based faith on things that were eternal, not things that were temporary. Don't base stuff on temporary stuff. If the doctor comes to you and says, you got high blood pressure. Temporary. That's just temporary. I'm not going to get all worried about that. I'm not going to fret about that. The doctor says, you have some incurable disease. Well, that's temporary. Don't get all upset about it. You don't have to deny that the report, oh, that, that's a false report. That is not true. No, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Temporary means it's true now, but it won't be true soon. It's going to be untrue. Well, how do we apply this kind of things to how we're living? Get this flesh faith out and get the spirit faith back into us. Well, my thoughts go to, do I feel it yet? Well, you got prayed for last week. How did it go? I don't really feel anything different yet. Oh, what do we just do? I just spoke the thing to God and said, God, my faith is based on temporary things. Isn't that what the guy who was at the gate got trampled over? Isn't that what he said? It didn't work out so good for him. Well, do I see it yet? How's that situation working out? Well, I don't see any change yet. But I'm still hoping that something will happen. The only reason that you need to mention that you didn't see it yet is because you're looking to see it. If you're not looking to see it, you don't care. <laughs> it's because you're looking to see it. You're looking to feel it. It's the only reason. Only reason it needs to be mentioned, well, I don't feel it yet, is because you're looking for it. And then somehow your faith is based on that. Somehow it has to be. Did a doctor verify it yet? If my thoughts go to that, did a, doc- did a doctor verify it yet? Glory to God for doctors. Thank God for doctors. Doctors are telling you what's going on. That's all right, but it's all temporary. It's all temporary. I need to get my spirit focused upon, first off, the Word. What does the Word say? If I get myself focused on what the Word says, I don't care what my body says. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my checkbook says. I don't care what my boss says about the longevity of my job get my spirit focused on that what does the word of god say what's paul focused on when the snake came out and fastened himself upon him what did the word say word said i'm okay i don't have to worry about this i need to get my spirit focused upon the word and my beliefs what do i believe what has the word of god produced in me as far as a belief is concerned i've meditated on the word of god I've listened to the Word of God. What does the Word of God produce in me? Because if it doesn't produce anything in me, if it's just words, it's not really helping me out. It's got to produce a belief. Somehow I need to come to a place where I believe. No, I believe. I believe. What do you believe? Got to have something that you believe. I need to get my spirit focused upon the Word, my beliefs, and third, God's ability. Too often we're looking at, well, I don't see how that situation can change because look at the, what's go, uh, look what's happening over here. And look what's going on over here. And, well, I, with all that going on, I don't see how it could change. You've, you've lost your focus on God's ability. Well, you don't know how terrible this disease is. Well, you don't know how great my pain is. Well, you don't know how in debt I am. Well, you don't know how high my blood pressure is. No. No, don't know that. But if you want to have spirit faith, folks, it is what the word says, what my beliefs become from that word. My focus needs to be on God's ability. On God's ability. The word of God tells us, believe you receive it and then you shall have it. Believe that you receive it and then you shall have it. I need to believe that I receive it. There's a whole lot of folks out there, Christians, who have received something from God have gotten help from God, and then they felt something, saw something, heard something, and they let it go. They let it go. What is the situation that you are facing that you need victory over? 
For some, it can be a health condition. For some, it can be a financial condition. For some, it might be you know, things that you're, you're, you're getting through when, at work. Things you have to study. Things you have to learn. You know, when you're going through school, calculus can seem impossible. Chemistry. Oh, I'm just not getting it. I'm just not getting it. What does the Word tell you about that? Well, you'll fail. Yeah, unless you can get a hold of it, you know, you'll just fail. And besides that, you know, it's not a real spiritual thing. No, what's the Word of God say? I have the mind of Christ. Does Christ understand chemistry? Yes. <laughs> Glory to God, He sure does. <laughs> God, God created math, science, chemistry, biology. He created it. Surely He understands it. If I have the mind of Christ, I can understand it too. But I've got to approach it that way. Too often we approach these things, we hit a subject, we're having a hard time with it. What do we say? I'm just not getting it. I just can't figure it out. We're going after a thing like high blood pressure. Well, I did all that I know to do and it's not changing. I guess I just can't win out on this one. What did you just base your faith on? Temporary stuff. What you see, what you feel, what you hear from the world should be what you hear from the Word of God. What's the Word of God say? I'm victorious. I'm victorious. Win out. Win the thing. Stop accepting defeat. And say, you know what? No, I'm not going to accept defeat. I am going to be victorious. Father God, if there's another way for me to attack this problem, then you show me what that other way is. But we're going to attack this problem and we're going to win. We're going to defeat it. We're going to have victory. How do you want me to go about this? What do you want me to do? God may have you change your diet. God may have you change your study habits. God may have you change jobs. He may have all kinds of ways for you to, to do things. What's he, what's he want you to do? Listen to Him. God may say, don't change. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing fine. Stop listening to them telling you it's not working. It is. I told you it would. Listen to God. Sometimes, folks, we've had a health condition and God gave us the word, do this. And we did it for a week. And I went back to the doctor and he said, it's not helping. So I guess I'll, I didn't hear that. You just discounted what God told you for what somebody else told you. Why do you want to do that? Did God tell you to do it that way? Well, yeah, I believe he did. Then stay with it. Don't change. Hold to it. Hold to it. Stop looking to feel it. See it. I know you want it to manifest. Abraham, I mean, it's great that he, he can believe he's going to be the father of many nations, but how many of y'all know he wanted to see the kid? <laughs> Eventually, I want to see a baby here. I want to see something. I want to see the, the, the baby of promise. I want to see something going on here. Eventually, we want to get that spot. I want to see something. Otherwise, what good is it? Eventually, the tree needs to die. Right? We've got to see the tree die. And that's all good. But stop looking for the tree to die to believe that the tree died. Stop looking for the thing to be affected before you believe that it's affected. You've got to get to that, pot, that spot where even if you have no children, you believe, I am the father of many nations, as Abraham had to believe. He had one, but you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the right one. God says, no, nah, that's not the one. I don't count him. That's, that's on you. That's not the one I'm giving you. We need to get our spirit focused on the Word, on my beliefs, and on God's ability. Stop focusing on anything else. Don't focus on what other people tell you. Don't focus on what doubts other people put in your head. Don't focus on what other people say. Well, you can't necessarily do that. That may not be, I mean, you need to start thinking about some things. You need to start considering. I mean, come on. How many people do you think went up to Moses? Moses, you're 120 years old. I think it's time to stop climbing mountains. You know, you need, to, you need to, to stop walking around the wilderness. It's about time, you know, you took it easy for a while. You're 120. Come on. Back off a little bit. Knock it off. Stop listening to that. What's God telling you to do? What, what did God tell Moses to do? He didn't tell him to quit yet. He said, I didn't say nothing about you quitting yet. You keep going. I'll tell you when it's quitting time. So he kept going. Word of God says his eye wasn't dim. He's probably out there ahead of them all. Say, Come on, you guys. 
I'm the oldest one here. Because all the other old people, they all died, except for Joshua and Caleb, and he was older than them. <laughs> all the rest of them, they all died out. He's it. Come on, I'm older than, I'm twice as old as any of you all out there. Get moving. Let's go. That as fast as you can move. Come on. I know they weren't waiting for Moses. He was, he was moving on. Stop listening to people telling you all this stuff. Have faith in God. Have God's kind of faith. Have faith in God. Believe in Him. Stop believing in all the reports and all the disasters. We all saw the report about the disaster over in Japan. That's terrible stuff. That was just amazing footage and seeing that destruction go on. And we begin to think, oh, what if a disaster happens like that to me? Then you're in glory. Yeah. I mean, is there, a down, is there a downside here? You're in glory. So what? Get there sooner. Yeah, well, what if I just lost all my stuff and I'm still here? Got to get your new stuff. We worry about too much stuff. We worry about things. Don't worry about it. Well, what if that kind of disaster happens here? Word of God says that, hey, this, these kind of things are coming at the end times. We just say, glory to God, I'm in the end times. That means either Jesus is coming soon. We're going to begin to see some of this stuff. I mean, it's, it's the end times. I know it is. Look at all this stuff that's going on. Hmm. Not global warming. End times. God said it. These people just want to have something they can pull out of their back pocket and say, see, it's because of this. No, God says this is what's going to happen in the end. It's going to have greater earthquakes. Well, why did God let that happen? God didn't let it happen. He says, because of your sin, this is what's going to happen towards the end. But don't worry, I put a cap on it. It's not going to go beyond this time. And I'm going to stop it, and then we're going to remake the whole thing, and it's not going to happen that way anymore. <laughs> Glory to God for the new heaven and new earth. I heard somebody talking the other day. They were saying, you know, we're all out trying to save this earth. You know what? You cannot save it. God says, no, this, you can't save this. We're going to destroy it and just start all over. Build a new one. New heaven, new earth. Just new stuff. That's all we're going to do. Can't save this earth. Not savable. No matter how many SUVs you buy or don't buy or how many smart cars you get into. You all get into all the smart cars you want to. I will not get into one. And if you have one, you cannot pick me up. I don't drive smart cars. I don't drive electric cars. I drive cars with gas. And cars that use lots of gas. That's my, that's, that's my truck out there. I drive a truck. It eats a lot of gas. Glory to God. He provides lots of bunk bed sales to fill up that. <laughs> we can we stop in there. You know, $75 is as much as they'll do you anymore. That's it. You can't go above $75. That doesn't fill my tank up. So I have to go when I'm only half full. If I want to fill it up. Otherwise, I just put in what's there and... Let's go over to Jersey. I was over to Jersey the other day, and I was not quite empty, but uh, I said, fill it up, and they did. <laughs> they didn't have those little stops things. They just kept on going until it was all the way filled up. Glory to God, I didn't have to stop for a while. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, don't get upset over all this stuff. What you see is temporary. If you see it, it's temporary. It's not permanent. Stop getting lost over it. Stop getting hung up on it. It's temporary. If you can see it, it is not permanent. Stop acting like it is. Stop worrying about it like it is. God is greater. And God bases His things on things that are eternal. And you can't see them. But if you tap into them and you speak those things out, His principles that are eternal will move mountains and cast them into the sea. Glory to God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the power of God that is in operation in our life. We thank you that the power of God is in us because you said you put it there. You gave us access to it. Glory be to God. We're not here demanding that God do this and God do that. We're simply finding out what God said He wants done and going out there and speaking it. And Father, we thank you that we can help accomplish your will in this earth. Just as Jesus walked about this earth to accomplish the will of the Father and spoke to sickness and disease and it left and spoke to demon spirits and they left. Changed situations, cursed fig trees, forgave sins, all sorts of stuff. He did the will of the Father. We are here also to continue his work and to do the will of the Father. 
not our own. And so we speak things that are of God's will. Speak things that are based on eternal principles. Speak things that are based on faith, on the unseen. On the word that you have spoken, the word that you have taught, the revelations that you have given us. And Father, we thank you. It's a different way of living. It's a different lifestyle. We've got to get out of having a life based on what is seen, having life based on what we feel. How we're feeling today is different from how we're feeling tomorrow. But no, we've got to get a hold of that. No, I don't care how I feel today. The Word of God is still the same. And what He gave me is mine. What He promised is so. And when I speak to this mountain, it will go. It will be removed. And it will be cast into the sea. And Father, I thank You that we believe because it is written in Your Word and not because of anything we see, feel, or heal to confirm it. We just speak it and know. So as we spend time in Your Word to form those beliefs based on Your Word, based on eternal principles, that when we speak it out, we're not speaking out of our head, we're speaking out of our heart. I believe because the Word of God has said this. And we speak to those situations. And we don't have to wait and see it happen. We know it has happened. Glory be to God. We thank You for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.